0: Your profession.
1: Welcome to Wolverine Nation.
2: I say what I mean, I mean what I say, and I say what needs to be said. Global leader
1: in military combatives. 45
2: martial arts world titles.
1: Renowned actor, writer, and a malicious warrior with brutally honest opinions.
2: This may step on some people's toes. If it does, then you're a special kind of stupid.
0: <laughs> How are
3: you killing me,
1: baby? This is America's Sheepdog. Kicking it with the
2: Wolverine. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, here we are with the Legend Show with Professor Gary Lee. And it, and on this show, we're gonna have special guest tonight, Miss Karen Eden Herdman, and the voices where you're gonna hear from the voices, and they're going to give your opinions, And then we'll move on to Wolverine and Cousin Eddie, where we'll be, that's, that's where it's going to be cut. It's going to be a barn burner. So uh, in that show, we'll be uh, dropping bombs, okay? Um, and then after that, we'll be going back to the, to the uh, interview with Miss, Miss Karen Eden Herdman and hearing all about what she's got coming up and all that kind of stuff. So, with no further ado, I pass the talking stick over to your host, Professor Gary Lee. You got the stick, Professor. Thank Thank you, Wolverine.
3: Thank you, Wolverine. Thank you for the talking stick. I want to welcome everybody to our legend show that we're very, very fortunate to be able to be on the Wolverine Nation and be part of his vision. And what we're going to be talking about on this show interviewing with the movers and shakers of the martial arts community, and then we'll be featuring a couple of segments that are going to blow your mind. first one is called The Voices. These are five individuals who are really icons and pioneers of the martial arts in America for the past 50 years, and they'll be talking about their opinions. And their ideas about certain topics. And then, this is really going to be exciting. (laughs) The Wolverine, I get excited just introducing it. The Wolverine and Rambling Cousin Eddie are going to be talking about some really, really interesting topics. And tonight we have a very interesting topic: History Black Belt, where they come from. (laughs) And then, And then we've got the amazing,
2: To tell you, we uh, we're very excited about uh, being on uh, the Legends Show. We are going to do some great things, ladies and gentlemen, and we are getting ready for an amazing interview. Now, Miss Karen Eden Herdman is going to be uh, roasted at the Legends event this October uh, in Houston, Texas, and you know we need as many people to come out to show her love as we can. Um, she is an amazing lady in my opinion, she is and you know uh, the, you know what I usually say to Patrick all the time is my opinion is the one that matters the most to me but um, she is the queen of martial arts, and the reason I say that is because I know a lot of people try you know wear that title, not trying to step on anybody 's toes uh, but you know uh, she gets out there and she uh, is not only just doing other works and things, but her training, she continues to train and to do tactical combatives training and law enforcement and training and everything she can to continue to up her game and continue to grow as a martial artist. And, um, you know, she's just an amazing person. She's real. She's sweet. She's down to earth. She believes in God, um, you know, and she's Cherokee Indian, and that makes her my sister in, in more than one way. So I always have her six, and uh, here we are with Miss Karen Eden Herdman. Miss Herdman, are you there?
4: Hey, how you doing, brother?
2: Doing good, sister. So we're looking forward to this interview. I'm going to hand the talking stick over to Professor, so he can interview you. And then once he cuts you loose, you got 15 minutes to to tell us all about who you are. And then we'll bring you back again for some more, Karen Eden, because we can't get enough. Professor,
3: talking stick is in here, your corner. Honor. Thank you. Thank you, Dean. I want to say something, Karen, before you even start the interview with me. I want to say thank you because a few years ago, you blessed me by coming to Greenville, South Carolina, where we got the honor of great Sam Chapman, and you allowed me to put together a group of men by like Joe Corley to witness you to become. Grand Master. And they up. Yes. I'm yes. so proud of that. I just want to say thank you, first of all, for that. I really mean so much to me that you allowed me to do that through the museum. And one more thing before I get to the area, so I ask
4: what, Professor, and by the way, thank you. I'm truly honored, and um, I got to tell you, of all questions I get asked, martial arts related, that's probably the one question I get asked all the time, and I have such a deflated answer. I hate to say this, but uh, it's something I always wanted to do when I was a kid. I came from a very, unfortunately, poverty-stricken family life, could not afford any type of karate lessons or anything like that. So as soon as I became a young girl who was ployable, I walked in a uh, Tung class in um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, C.S. Kim Karate, and uh, I, I just never quit. It, and it's been, what, 34 years now, 33, 34 years, and uh, I just loved it. And that's pretty much the, the answer right there.
3: Trained with him and his dad, uh, Peter Kowalski. Was that
4: his last name? You're talking about Eric Kovaleski?
3: Oh, Eric. I'm sorry. I thought it was Peter.
4: Because Eric. if I was good friends with someone named Peter Kowalski... <laughs> I'm <laughs> <that> sorry. <is>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> Eric oh, yes. Kovaleski. Yes, eye yes, eye. yes. God, may ask, he... Go oh, ahead. Yes. go ahead. Well, may he rest in peace. I actually... Um, the last time I saw Eric was in uh, Orange County, California a few years ago and um they're all out of that same Tung Sido camp out of Pennsylvania, along with Cynthia Rothrock yeah. and um some well known we all trained out of that Pennsylvania camp and they were in Scranton. I was in Pittsburgh. But uh when Eric was a teenager, I'm gonna date myself here a little bit, I used to like uh I used to be one of his judges in tournaments when he used to compete in Tung Sudot as a teenager. So, yeah, it was very, very shocking and very quick that he passed. And uh, I know he was a Christian, and he believed, he was a believer. So I look forward to seeing again someday. But, yeah, he's definitely missed.
3: Well, I got care. I, I was with uh, Cynthia and James Blue, who were in California. And Eric came up to me. He said, Mr. Lee, can I give you a Korean taste of certificate?" And I said, well. Eric, I'm not a Korean stylist, I'm Kyokich. And he goes, Well, I just would like to honor you with a certificate. And mm-hmm. I said, Well, I've never accepted a a Queen certificate before and I thought about it. I prayed about it. And I remember sitting down with Eric and him writing you out and said, GM James who signed it and I thought that was very special that he would do that. Now, Karen I wanna ask you another question to deal with karate. Now, you made 8 three Bravo in your style, that's considered a grandmaster, correct?
4: Uh, actually, 7th degree, yes, sir. 7th Dan is considered a grandmaster. It, it, it is in addition to 30 years, so that would be the requirement. Yes, sir. Wow. You've been training for over 30 years? I have. I hit 30 years wow. when I was uh, testing for 7th Dan.
3: Now, let's jump into the, because I advertise Europe you are. But let's talk about your television and your radio career. Let's start with television first. How do you get involved
4: with TV? Okay, I'm going to flip-flop and start with radio first. (laughs) I did radio for 12 years before I got into television, so that's why. I was actually 15 years old. Um, I knew this was something I wanted to do and make it a career, and I've just always been the type of person I just go for it. And if I get knocked down, and honestly... I've been knocked down a million times. I always pick myself back up and go back for more. So I was 15 years old. I I couldn't even drive. And my mom dropped me off at a local radio station. I walked in, said, I'm looking for work. And they said, have you ever done radio before? And I said, no, ma'am. And they said, well, we need someone to work, so why don't you sit down and read this newspaper to me. I read the newspaper to her and she just goes, you're hired. So I that's how I started my radio career and I'm hoping actually for the um celebrity tribute and roast event which I'm honored to be uh, uh doing this year with in in Houston I believe my boss who hired me at the age of 16 is going to be there he said he's going to be there so I have you know I'm truly honored that if he absolutely that, that's does a show up
0: rare. David Moran,
4: yes, sir. So that's radio. So uh, television, you know what? I I did it a lot different. A lot of people go to college. They intern when they're in their early 20s and they hope to get something. I've always done things backwards. I mean, just always. (laughs) I actually got in TV because I was already established as a radio personality. In Roanoke, Virginia, I was working for the number one radio station by that time. I was about 21 and um i got right on to doing weather at the local tv station because i was already popular as a personality so that weather job just set me and i just went all the way to the top in major market tv as a, a meteorologist and a feature reporter including pittsburgh and in denver so that's pretty much spans a 25 year career in broadcasting right there what did you
3: do for tv were you
4: I was. I was the, uh, a broadcast, broadcast meteorologist, which is a weather anchor, and I also was a feature reporter. So I did the lighter sight stories during the week, and I anchored the weather on the weekends. Now I got to ask you a question,
3: Karen. And I, I, I got some emails about this too, but I wanted to ask you myself. Why that? Why have you never done any movies? Because you're one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. I just did not <laughs> know why Hollywood.
4: You're very That's kind. Exact. You're That's very really kind, exact. actually. Yes, sir. I actually have done two movies, and I don't talk about okay. it because it's, I got movies is not my thing. I mean, I just, I'm just telling you the truth. I did two. I did stunt work in a Jean Claude Van Damme movie. Oh, geez, probably about wouldn't. It was called Sudden Death, and um, I I I hate stunt work. <laughs> I'll never do okay. it again. It's horrible. It's a lot of work and no glory, but I did it. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I also had a feature role in a Cynthia Rothrock movie, which was on Showtime called Sworn to Justice. So that's my two little brushes with Hollywood, and I'm good. Okay. <laughs> to answer my question, now we
3: we have something very much in common. We're both motivational both speakers, which we both worked at the Super Show for a while. But you also have a gift. You're an author. Tell me about some of the books
4: that you've written. Uh, I've written four currently. I'm working on book number five, and uh, my first book, my first major publishing, this was Simon and Schuster and Macmillan, and uh, the late great John Corcoran um, helped me get that. Yeah, Corky. This was uh, a position that Corky helped me get uh, out of New York. Uh, It was a book that uh, he they they. Uh, they actually contacted him to write. He said, I don't write like that, but I know who does. And that's how that fell in my lap. And that established me almost right away. At that time, I was already writing for Karate magazines. If you remember the CFW Enterprise Magazine back yeah. in the 70s and 80s with Curtis Wong. Um, I had a column in Taekwondo. Yeah, we Magazine. I'm very familiar with it. Yeah. Okay, so they had an inside Taekwondo Magazine, and that was my first column back then. And uh, that, you know, it's been, you know, for 20, 30 years or whatever. Um, and it just, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I happen to be at the right place at the right time, a legitimate black belt and a legitimate journalist who takes pretty decent pictures. And it just all fell in place. And I'm very grateful. Well, you know,
3: we're going to be honoring you this October 7th. And I just wanted to ask you, you've been to you a few of the Sport crime Museum events. What's it like being classified as a history general and an ambassador for the Sport Karate Museum around the world? What's it like, Karen?
4: Well, How do you do Well, about I'm going to tell you why I really appreciate the Sport Karate Museum events. And, you know, I go to all events. You know, I do, Professor. I, I mean, co- yeah. this, starting the end of this month, I am booked. I have so many appearances I got lined up. But I will tell you. It's a favorite of mine to go to Houston for two reasons. One is you're talking about some major, major, I mean, martial arts historical people that go to Peppin' and I mean, it's so historical, I'm actually writing a book of some of the first women that ever stepped in a, a, a karate school and started training in the 60s. And that's the, the women of the Sport Karate Museum that I'm working on right now with Ted uh, Gambardella and hope to have it turned by the event in October, I should have no problem doing that actually. But that's one reason I love seeing people who were the first to dig these wells. And I say this: these women, and even Karen slaughter who's on here right now, these are some of the women who dug wells that I didn't have to. That I didn't have to dig. I'm fully aware of it. They paved the way, and they deserve the honor and the respect. And I love seeing them. And the second reason is it's just a lot of good, respectful people. It's this. High respect. You go to some of these events and you can't tell if, you know, you're in a nightclub somewhere in a dive downtown. This is a very respectable event and people are very respectable. Of course now you Texans, you do drink a lot. Don't don't do me wrong. <laughs> I mean, now you guys at the bar later? That's one thing, but it's very respectful and I, I appreciate that. So those are my two reasons why I love going to the Sport Karate Museum event.
3: Well, another something I want to ask you about, Karen, is that your relationship with the board, because I know you have a deep relationship with our father. Talk a little bit about that.
4: Absolutely. You know, I every day, Professor, I get up and I say, who am I and what am I supposed to be doing? And I answer that question every day out loud. I say, I am Karen reseda Eden Herdman. I am the descendant of kings, warriors, chiefs, and holy people. I am gifted in writing, speaking, teaching, and special arts ministry, and I'm here to serve the Lord. I say that every single day, so when I go out that door, I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, and I don't get, like, sidetracked and off focus. Um, I'm going to share this story when I am in my celebrity tribute and roast in Rosen, October, but I'll tell you just a little bit right now that I am someone who should have died a long time ago. And it's by a sheer miracle that I'm even talking on this radio show right now. So as a result, I'm a tad religious. <laughs> and well, you, you know, know what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I just
3: you made me think about the story that I shared with you remember when I jumped into the canal after I was only in America for like 30 days? About right. And, right. And, Yeah. We shared that story and you know what?
4: Americans
3: She was another one. One more subject. We decided to do something really special in October to honor all the ladies—the mothers, the aunts, the uh, the gollybug uh, daughters, the sisters, the grandmothers. You put together a book with the amazing Ted Gamradella. Talk a little bit about that while you're doing that, Karen.
4: Yes, sir. So this book is—it's different. It's not like the big. Giant book that you have to pay twenty five extra dollars when you fly home because it's so heavy (laughs) you can't carry it in your luggage, which I've probably been hit with now five times at least. But anyway, this is a normal size book, but but what's different is it's totally in color. So every lady will get their page, when so that's why you know. I mean, there are qualifications to get in the book, uh, but they're very simple. You have to be a legitimate first degree black belt. And you have to have supported the Sport Karate Museum because the book is called Women of the Sport Karate Museum. So you have to at least uh, have an attendance or have helped, you know, have been a part of uh, the Sport Karate Museum in some way. Right now, I've got about 25 women that I've reached out to, and uh, my sister Karen, the other Karen on here, she's one of them, and um, I've gotten a great response. I've got some incredible pictures, and I've got some incredible stories, so... I'm going to try to fill as much as I can with colored eye candy photos of my sisters from the Sport Karate Museum, and um, outside of that, I'm going to start adding text uh, to meet up the book quota because there is a quota of so many pages per book. So we'll see how that goes, but I'm working with Billy Sweeney on the cover, and he's doing a fantastic job. That cover is very exciting, and uh, Ted Gambardella is putting the book together, and I'm going to co—I'm going to give him a co-author title on that with me. So, yes, sir, and well, there are you know, women out there. Well, one more thing. If I've missed yes. anybody, it's not on purpose, guys. If you are someone a female who needs that qualification, please get in touch with me. I'd love to have you in the book. Yes, yes sir.
3: And, and are you in touch with uh, the Sport Croix Museum? And, by the way, if you want to see how beautiful this lady we're talking to that I've been bragging about, you can go to www. Archives dot com, and you see all the history generals and you see the lovely Karen E. Urban. Now, with <laughs> that said, you keep laughing. So, with that said, I'm gonna turn the walking stick back over
2: to the Wolverine. Ladies and Wolverine, here's the walking <laughs> stick. The talking is the talking stick, but we'll we'll walk with it, talk with it, club talking you over out. the head right. with it. Here we You're
3: go. <laughs> <laughs> is it
2: some talking, or walking? Talking with a T. T, okay, I'm sorry. No problem. <laughs> Look at that. No sorry. problem. Miss Herdman, that was a great interview. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, brother. I appreciate
0: it.
2: Yes, you did a great, great job. So, what we're going to do now is. Uh, Don't go anywhere because we're going to be bringing you back because you still have a few questions to answer and then we have to play uh, the Legends name game uh, with you. But right now what we're getting ready to do is we're going to move on to the voices. So what I'm going to do is hit a little drum roll here. And ladies and gentlemen, here we are. It is now time for the voices. So Professor Gary Lee... I'm handing you the talking stick so you can introduce our first voice. Thank you. Well, you know
3: what? The idea of this whole segment was dealing put America in your face every Thursday night, and I think that's what we've done with the voices. I've got an incredible group, five different individuals, who have been the movers and shakers across America. And I get the pleasure of introducing them one by one. The first one I'd like to introduce, she's our lady of the group. She is a PKL champion, and she is a storm-roof, karate stylist, and long she trains with Kung Fu. But she has done some amazing things for the Sport Crime Museum, and we're going to talk about it. My dear friend from North Carolina, by the way, she lives, she's from New Jersey. God bless her, but she lives in North Carolina now. I want to bring behind this Karen Flasher. Karen? I am here. Welcome to the Wolverine Nation and the voice. Yes. How you doing, honey?
5: It's a good place to be, isn't it? Wow. Oh, it's, it's,
3: it's so much fun, and with that... Wasn't that some great moments with Karen? Wasn't
5: that great? I love it. She is a class act, that's for sure. Well, tonight we're
3: going to talk about class act pioneers, and particularly some of the things that are very, very important to what we're doing through the Sport Car Museum. Now, you did something a few years ago, Karen, I'm going to just bring it up. You gave (laughs) the great black the case that Peter Irvin, who created D.C. Goju to America, to the Sport Cry Museum, and some incredible documents inside. But you know what? Peter Irvin was a character, as you know. And he he was was. really, really special. But, you know, besides him, any other pioneers you would like to mention that were part of your journey that you would like to
5: talk about tonight? Absolutely, absolutely. One of my first instructors was a uh, was Professor Takahiko Ishikawa out of Philadelphia. He was an Ace Don in the '60s, which was just not heard of. But he was that excellent a uh, a competitor and a, and a teacher. And he was sent brought here by the United States after World War II. He went to Cuba and taught the soldiers there, and then he came to Philadelphia, and he stayed on Race Street in Philadelphia most of his life until he finally went home in his 90s. And he was incredible. I never met anybody like him. And I was honored to be one of his students when I was about 14. I used to go every Saturday. I would take the bus and uh, go up to train with him because there are women kakas in judo that you must learn in order to go up in any rank as to get above green belt. So I had to go for specialized training and I never, I never met in my life anybody like him. He could throw you any time he wanted to, no matter how big or small you were. I saw him make grown men cry when he would just look at them and nod his head like, here I come. And no matter what people would do, he would throw you. He also wanted you to throw him. He believed in the true spirit of Rondori. You throw me, I throw you. We both learn. And he had no ego at all. And that, oh, he was wonderful. And he just died, I'm, gosh, I think about maybe 10 years ago. Just met recently. And he was 68 when I was 14. And he was training me. Yeah. Well, you also,
3: for our listeners, I think we ought to just share with them that the word red dory is the same word as like kumite. It's free body in judo, you know, correct?
5: Yes, it is, but it's meant to be for mutual learning. You know, yes. I, I won't fight you. If you want to practice coming in on a throw, I won't fight you. Now, I will go for you, but not with that not just like in Aikido, they just fly. He, no, if you earned the throw, he would go for you, he, and he would take oh. the ball so that people could learn, not constantly Well, you don't care. I back. got
3: in a lot of trouble back in the day, doing a Saganagi and Hippos Saganagi. Because, you know, a lot of karate tournaments, they didn't like guys throwing people, <laughs> even a no. lot so Remember, the floors were concrete back then and, and wood. It wasn't <laughs> bad. So, no, nothing harder than a gym floor. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, was there any other people that. If, if, didn't you train with uh, Paulie Zink?
5: I trained with Paulie Zink. Uh, he, uh, yes, I met up with him several times and trained for a week at a time. Uh, he's, he's unbelievable. He's still, in his 60s, as flexible as he was in the 80s, and wow. he still do monkey. He teaches what he calls yin yoga now, and he took it more to a qigong side of training, the yogic and the uh, elements, and he teaches that. But any time, he can be the master that he, he was in qigong, I mean, excuse me, in um, kung fu, in the monkey style, and so many of the people don't even know it. That he trains with. That's how humble he is. He, a lot yeah. of people that are training yoga with him, have no idea who he is. So I'm showing his well, YouTube's yeah. everywhere.
3: <laughs> yeah.
5: Well, thank you, Karen, for sharing your, your
3: pioneers and the people that you really deeply respect on the question. Oh
5: God. How yes. Good. Thank you. God bless you. Oh, thank Ladies
3: you. Well, you bet. You bet. You know what? Part of the the voices is, is be able to reach America. Now we're gonna bounce all the way to Oregon. Or Kelada, to Introduce this man to me is amazing. He is a professor, a T three blah, in his systems, but he is the web designer of the Sport Crime Museum. Web page and to see his work, to see the incredible vision this man has, you can go to com. He is really an amazing man, and I can't wait to talk to him about this question tonight. Without further ado, please let me introduce Professor Tom.
1: but Tom, are you there, sir? Thank you, Jerry. That was very nice. I I, I I'm very appreciative of that. Welcome to the Wolverine
3: Nation, Professor. <laughs> Hoorah! Well the question tonight is the question that basically we talk about it all the time when we talk. The pioneers. Yeah.
1: Who are some of the pioneers of, as the influenced you, Tom? in your career? Well, you know, first of all, I want to talk a little bit about what a pioneer is. Uh, sometimes it could also be uh, referred to as a legend or a hero or any number of things that people imagine, you know, but there's qualities to that particular type of person. Uh, Professor Joseph Campbell, who wrote incredible books about uh, uh, one of them being the hero with a thousand faces, talked about uh, working through culture and mythology. He included a lot of crossover information between Christian and even Native American studies of spirituality and so many other things, trying to find some common threads. And one of the things he came up with is basically a storyline called a monomyth is what he called it. And it's basically, uh, you know, it's a story of a a person of, of just regular human quality who is finding himself called upon to do something... Uh, um, unusual out of. we need to make sure that those stories and those understandings are handed down authentically, with integrity and with honor and with love and appreciation. And you know, so that, that's the, the the thing that's so important to me. I can go on and on about my individual instructors as most of us can, but getting it to my students and their students and their students so that in fifty years from now, what we learned back then is still alive in the students we have. Yeah. It is said that a person never dies as long as they tell stories of them, like Joe Lewis and so many others. So we can't let it die. We've got to keep you know, handing it on. It's, it's emblematic of the talking stick, handing it on and adding a story to the list. And that talking stick is not only what it is, but it also is a way of gaining that energy and putting it into the universe and growing the story. And to that, yeah. I hand you back the talking stick, and I thank you for the opportunity. Well, I got to actually say, uh, I mean, we we talked
3: in a week before we were actually on the air with each other. And one of things that we, we did a couple of days ago, what well, you did with the help, with the vision. We created a treasures page. I want you to talk about that for a minute. Maybe you, you know how important it is that people go there and see those treasures that we're showing. Go ahead.
1: Memorabilia is one of the most significant things that can be handed down and the most precious things because they represent the energy, the identity, and the the connection to the pioneers and the people that entrusted them to the museum and to you personally. So consequently, those things are so significant because without them, the Smithsonian is nothing. You know, you, you have all these things about the Smithsonian, but if we didn't have the Constitution there, if we didn't have so many things that are there, we wouldn't even have proof of the stories we tell. But the memorabilia and all the pre- treasures that are in our possession, and in our, uh, you know, under our pledge of protection in the museum, is a way in which we can ensure that the honesty, the proof, and everything else is handed down and maintained and protected, literally protected on a physical level as well as an emotional level and all the other things that are involved. It's very important, and uh, and, that, and that's that's what it's all about. And we have been entrusted with some incredible things. And they'll keep coming onto the website. I'll be putting them up there on a regular basis. We will announce it on the radio so that you'll know, oh, oh, we got some more. Go check, check it out. If you haven't seen it before, now's a good time to do it. And it'll keep going on for some time because there's a lot of these incredible things. We've only put up just a few, but there's so much more to come. Well, folks, you
3: got <laughs> a You're great. Now, I gotta, I, before I got you go, know, I want you to
1: mention yeah.
3: this lovely wife. What rank is she, she We're going to be honoring her in October because we're honoring all the women. Tell me a little bit about her. I want to share about her history a little bit.
1: Well, my wife, Anna, um, uh, was started off as my student. She came, she came into... Uh, the school that I was teaching here uh, over 30 years ago in Ashland. And um, the minute she stepped onto the floor and we started doing basics, at the end of class, the first class, I had to say, do you believe in reincarnation? And she said, why, why do you ask? Why do you ask? And I said, because you move like you've been doing this for ages. It's perfect. It's, it's everything that that, I, that all of us are trying to do. And that, that's where she started, and she's just continued to go deeper and farther. She's an eighth degree black belt at this time under myself and also under another affiliate of mine who uh, is actually a student that at one point of his career was an in-house student of both Sadashi Yamashita and uh, also uh, uh, Grandmaster Master uh, Yamazaki. And uh, she has studied with him and with me, and uh, she's just an incredible person plus She's also uh, a hula teacher and a very blessed spirit uh, with uh, just so much to give and so much to do, and uh, uh, she inspires us all in everything that she does here uh, in our, our dealings.
3: Well, I'll be so excited. we would uh, to say thank you to her in October. With that said, Tom, God bless you, buddy. God bless you. God I bless love you, for Gary. The days. With that said, I'm, I'm excited. Yes, sir. Let's bounce down to Las Vegas. And, you know, I get goosebumps every time I talk about this guy, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to get through the goosebumps again. (laughs) Anyway, he is the president of the Black Karate Federation. He's the co founder of Ron Chappelle and Cliff Stewart. Rest in peace. They created the Black Karate Federation a long time ago in one of the largest Associations. It's for Karate in America. He's a Marine. He also has Dolly worked at Blackwell Magazine with the likes of Joe Willis and Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris and Gene walk the Hall. He is I love this part. He has actually been the personal bodyguard of Regal's star of the Beatles, the drummer. I'm so proud of that. I'm kinda of embarrassed to tell you but I'm gonna tell us anyway because it was so funny to my uh, my instructor, Joe Lewis. Well whenever Joe would have a um a seminar, uh, like I, I told you I studied I was his student for many years and he never tra- he only charged me once. But he he but he did have a prerequisite which was Whenever I'm giving a seminar and you can get to it, I want you to come and help me with the seminar. And and I and, and because I loved it, I, I you know I love you know I love the guy and I loved training and working with him. And uh, so we were somewhere. Either it was in the Midwest or, or North, I don't even remember. But I made you know I made it to the uh, for, for the seminar. And the seminar was going on and. Joe was doing what he always does, teach. He's such an incredible teacher. And um, there was this one guy who kept interrupting Joe, kept interrupting, just kept breaking in. Well, why do you do it that way? Well, why did you do this? Well, that's not what uh, uh, my instructor told me. and This is a seminar. And Joe was just saying, and, they, and, and, and the guy continuously, continuously, and I had for the uh, the seminars, but I was. decided, because I was a fighter, especially on the East Coast. I went a lot of tournaments uh, back there, and on the West Coast too. But uh, one of the things Joe says, ladies and gentlemen, I want to. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to give you uh, a little special present. I'm going to have uh, one of my uh, part, one of my training partners, uh, spar with someone here, and he's. And he says, Jerry, uh, I'm sick of the dog with a fever. Uh, And he goes, You, sir, you know, you, sir, who've asked so many questions, why don't you come out here? You know, you were saying that you were very good, and we're going to find out just what you know. And so we squared off on the floor, we followed each other, and I, you know, fired with the guy. It was obvious that I was. You know, on a completely different level. So I was pretty much just playing with him, and uh, not hurting him, but just making him, you know, question mark kicks to the head, spinning around house kicks, but not, you know, not making full contact. But uh, I, I, I think Joe really just wanted to embarrass the guy in front of all the people because he took so much time out of the seminar to. Interrupt whenever Joe is talking. So at the end of our sparring mat Joe called us to the center uh, of the floor and I was, and to bow and shake hands. So I bowed to him, Joe, he bowed to me. I shook his hand, but at the time I shook his hand, I was so sick, I hurled all over the guy, I threw up all <laughs> over him. <laughs> and i over him i and uh it was horrible I mean I, I just, it's not like I meant to do that but that's what happened it's very embarrassing for me to even tell you guys about it but uh, at that point the guy just runs off the floor to the bathroom or whatever Joe talked for the rest of of course we would always go out afterwards even though I was sick he just thought that was one of the funniest things that could have ever happened and uh really like I said, I said it was an embarrassing story, but it but I got to share that story with uh, the great, the probably the best uh fighter that uh this country has ever known. That would be Mr. Joe Lewis. But well, you know I, I know the I guess this is a, a, a beautiful I mean you guys were best friends, weren't you? He were was <laughs> a great father. Oh, friends. oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Jerry Pennington, we used to call him the Lion because he looked like he had a man yeah. Eddie, and he uh, had hair long. And he was just a treasure. So he was just a treasure. So. And uh, he got so many stories about Jerry. And uh, <laughs> one, one, and uh, where. We were at a tournament, the East Coast Regional, I think. That was a tournament that I actually ended up winning at the East Coast Regional. And he found, he, I my school was in Arlington, Virginia, and Jerry's school was in, uh, where was that? Uh, was it Richmond. Richmond, thank you so much, Richmond. And so he found out that I was at the tournament. We're California boys, right? And he goes, and he comes, I go, Jerry. I go, yeah, he goes. I'm supposed, uh, going to do a point demonstration tonight, uh, you know, before the finals. And I want you to do it with me, which you do. And I went, Of course, dear, you know I would. I, I would love to. And he says, Okay, I'm going to be down here. I'll be down here waiting for you. And I, you know, so you can go to dinner now, but come down here and get me, and we will go. Yeah, it was WAP. Did the athlete yeah. WAP with Yes we did. Yes he did. With with a keg of with a uh, uh of, of of uh of beer. He had all kind of beer in his ice chest and he had his flask. But anyway, when I was when he asked me to do that he didn't have those things. But I went to lunch, went to dinner, came back for the finals, went downstairs to get him for, for this demo that we were gonna do. And he was out. Full. His head was back, has an <laughs> open chest of, of beer with with a flask. And I'm going, oh, my goodness, he, you know, he's, you know, he's uh And I go, I try to wake him up. I go, Jerry, 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 wake up, wake up, man. We got to go do this. They're playing the music. We have to go out on stage <laughs> and do it. And, and he looks at me and he goes, oh, okay, okay. So I literally have to help him up, okay? And we're walking, it looks like I'm, you know, I'm uh, helping somebody who's been injured. And we walk down to the stage. Okay, it's dark, you know, because this is the final. This light, poof, I onto the stage. And I'm wondering how the hell is he going to get up those stairs, you know? But he gets up the stairs, he makes it there. I walk up after him. The moment Jerry Pennington hit those stairs hit the top of the stairs it's put at the map. It's like the uh, the uh the fairy godmother of martial arts of karate came down and touched him with a lunge. <laughs> she was perfect. He was perfectly okay. And he says he goes, Jerry I go, Yeah, he goes when I say uh uh, uh lunge punch you step forward. If I say uh I'm gonna do a forward kick, you step back and do an upper block whatever it was. You've seen these things a thousand times. I do it and I'm thinking like, Oh, well, I hope he does it this and hit me, and take my head off, you know. He did the most perfect demonstration that you could possibly do. Jerry Pennington is really, really, really a very, very gifted martial artist and that's Well I'm it was definitely Kimmy, you know, the the word focus. So, anyway, God bless you, Uncle Jerry. I love you and so good to hear you, boy. God bless you, Uncle Jerry Smith. God bless you. Now, we're going to bounce bounce, down. Yes, sir. We're going to bounce down to Texas. Professor.
6: to be represented oh, yes. by the great Rick Mills. He'll be there with a the booth. God bless Mr. you, Meals Dean. will He'll be there. there. Yeah. I'm going to be excited Thank
3: about you need me. For, oh. for the museum. That means so much, buddy, that you're allowing uh, us to do that for you. And, uh, but you know what, Dean? God bless you, buddy. i got to bounce back up to Las Vegas. Okay, buddy? You take care. God bless you. And welcome uh, to the Wolverine Nation. I mean, and this man, he's an incredible man, too. He's an A3 belt in Korean martial arts, and Okinawa martial arts. He's a writer for the Sport Academy Museum. He's also a writer for Masters, Magazine. He's, in a, I mean, he's just an incredible man. I love to talking to him. He's from Las Vegas. His name is James D. Moore. But again, in Hawaii, when you call somebody Uncle, their family. And he is I wanna bring on my Uncle Jim. Uncle Jim, are right there, sir? Yes, Uncle Gary, I am. Thank you. And thank you for that amazing introduction. Oh. I I worked well, very hard, the hard to deserve I, didn't I, didn't so far. I love it. I love it. So yeah, Tell it's really good, very good. Tell them about your pioneer friends or maybe you'd like to mention tonight, sir, or ahead.
7: Well, to be honest, there's so many that have, have given me so much in martial arts that I can't even begin. To, it would take forever to go through the list, so I'm just going to try to hit a few highlights. Uh, first of all, currently, uh, Jerry Smith has been working with me and teaching me, and that's obviously a <laughs> huge honor huge honor, a huge honor. So we're going through the 25 fighting principles and the five level method and everything else that, that uh, Jerry <laughs> understands and teaches. And it's, is really opened up uh, my mind to an awful lot of things that I, that I really needed at this point in my evolution. And, uh, um, uh, I started off with my dad. My dad was a martial artist. He was a boxer and, uh, Army liaison to the Marines in Guadalcanal during World War II. He was in hand-to-hand combat. Uh, he he learned combat, what they used to call combat judo uh, back then, and he used to teach that, actually, when he came back from the war. He taught it, um, taught it on the base. And uh, after that, it was really probably Chris Cotto, who was a uh, national judo champion. I'm not sure, that, I forget the dates. It was something like 1957, 1958, and uh, he was the chief instructor instructor at the uh, uh, Seattle Dojo, the Japanese that built a dojo uh, in the center of Seattle about 100 years ago. And that's where I trained and competed. And Chris is also the one that uh, uh, was credited for having taught judo to Bruce Lee because he, he taught judo at the University of Washington. And, and Bruce came and took his class. So that would probably be the first one. And when I, I finished high school early, I had done some karate training before that. I finished uh, high school early, and um, I went to Brazil. We hosted some Brazilian students in our home, uh, and my brother and sister were foreign exchange students to Brazil. And uh, so I went down there. I actually went to, to live with one of the families there, but also to study capoeira. And at that time, capoeira was you know, largely underground, and that there was an Okinawan karate master right in the middle of the city of Santos, Brazil, which is the port city of Sao Paulo. And uh, so I started training with him and didn't realize, I was 17 years old, I didn't realize at the time that, that he was directly in the lineage of the Great Okinawan Master. Shibana was probably his, his uh, primary master. Uh, so he, he was Shorunru, Kobayashi, uh, Kobayashi and he also was a uh, Gozuru uh, Master as well. And uh, anyway, so I started training with him six days a week, all day long. And uh, we really hit it off, even though he couldn't really speak any English, and I was just learning Portuguese. But he used to take me, he, he was training two uh, 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 parts of the Brazilian military, and uh, he uh, would take me as his assistant. And we'd be on the base with you know, hundreds of guys, you know, kicking and punching and so forth. And that was really an amazing experience. Um, after that, I'd say the next next primary one would be, uh, uh, Sun who is my Korean master. And, uh, he came over to the U.S. uh, from Korea in the 1970s, about the mid seventies. And, uh, I've been with him now for 35 years. And, uh, his, his system is Kung Joon Musul, which is Korean Royal court martial arts. And, uh, he remains one of my closest friends. Uh, uh, in fact, he, he wants to open up his headquarters in Las Vegas. That's one of the reasons I moved to Las Vegas. So he's been
3: huge, huge
7: in my life. Um, so I guess those would be the some of the highlights of the people I've gifted me so much. Uh, the original question, I think, was about, you know, how important are the pioneers of sport karate, and, and is it a necessity? And in answering that question... Um, uh, is it a necessity? Uh, in my opinion, the sheer importance of of these pioneers makes it a necessity, if that makes sense. And uh, to really answer that question, I, I have to really think philosophically and, and also bring psychology into it. And uh, I went down a similar path that Tom Spillman did in terms of uh, viewing the pioneers as, as, as heroes. And uh, uh, the pioneers in most cases are, are, have been, or are teachers. And and, uh, teachers are often times our heroes. Uh, It's particularly true in martial arts because we all share this common passion that runs very, very deep. We're all so passionate about the arts. So these pioneers particularly mean so much. And uh, uh, why do we have heroes? Uh, Heroes are people we look up to. role models, uh, help us shape our, our lives for the better. Uh, uh, heroes give us meaning and purpose uh, to achieve our uh, our goals. And, and as Tom said earlier, those of society as well. Uh, they give us something to shoot for in our lives to make our lives better. And uh, they've also given us these treasures that we would not likely ever be able to gain on our own. Their mentors, they energize us. Um, life is not always easy, as we all know, and um, um, you know, heroes help us uh, have more positive lives. The um, yeah, um, just just thinking about heroes helps us grow and become the best human beings we we can be. Um, and with that, I'll I'll pass the uh, talking stick Go back.
3: Well. I to a couple of and They mean so much to me. The first one I got missing is Mike. Mike's son, who lives in the Philippines now. He has been with me from the very beginning. He was the first man I called when I had the vision of putting together the Sport car museum. And he's been with me ever since. The second hero was another Hawaiian who I looked up and helped me and guided me through the years while I was here, the great John Natividad. He would call me weekly just to check up on me and make sure I had the Hawaiian aloha. So John Natividad and Mike Stone were my heroes. Now with that said, i like to give the walking stick, I, I, walking, I'm moving again, I'm sorry, the talking
2: stick to the Wolverine, Wolverine? Yes, sir, right here. Okay, uh, Okay, Professor, one quick thing. Did you have um, an advertisement, you wanted to advertise the Action Film Festival? Yes, sir.
3: Yes, Yes, if if you you want to go ahead. um, Action Film Festival. I want to talk about that for a moment. If Leo didn't call in, did Leo call in by chance?
2: No, sir, okay. I don't think so.
3: Okay, I'll take care of it. October the 19th to the 22nd will be the first Action Martial Arts Film Festival that will be honoring the 50th anniversary of Bruce Lee's In the Dragon. There will be over 50 films there in a four-day period. And, on top of that, special guests have confirmed to be there. Billy Blank, call me tonight, God bless you, Billy. Jay Glue, Don the Dragon Wilson, Cynthia Robrod, Cheryl Akamura, Tony Dow, Rick Avery, just the name of Felix, Eric Lee, Van Cliff. These are people that have confirmed to be there with their movies. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, here's a cool part. For every four day pass that is given out and is sold, the Sport Friday Museum will receive $50 of the Action Martial Film Festival. So thank you, Steve. Thank you, Kier. I'm sorry, Kier. And thank you, Leo. And thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. Now, the other. A little commercial I want to talk about, but the big, big deal It's virtual reality. And I have the inventor of the amazing application called that VR. That stands for Self Defense Enhanced Training in Virtual Reality. So I'm going to let the inventor, Dr. Reginald talked talk a little bit about it. So I'm going to give you Exciting things that the Wolverine Nation, the Sport Crown Museum, is dealing with to make this even bigger and better in the world of virtual reality. So, without further ado, my dear friend, Dr. Reginald Lee. Reggie, you there, buddy?
8: Yes, I am. Thank you for a nice introduction. I'm glad to be Welcome, here. welcome to the Wolverine
3: Thank you. Nation, Reggie. Well, Amazing. <laughs> mm. So tell people about virtual Reality and your vision of what you've done. With Rick Wigginson's yeah. influence and Ronald Duncan's influence and Rick sir. influence. ahead.
8: Yes, I um, just spoke about some amazing people that helped shape me and um, helped me in regards to bringing this program out forward. It's a program, Self-Defense, enhanced training and virtual reality whereby you utilize a headset and you go into an actual um, platform, a virtual reality platform, but with set VR self-defense enhanced training virtuality, virtual reality, you will not be outside looking into our program. You'll be actually be immersed into a program, a simulation program, whereby a hologram will suddenly appear and attack you when you least expect it, with sudden and random attacks. We've chosen a dark alleyway where bad things usually happen. If you think about what the military has and what the uh, police department has in regard to simulation programs, this is a simulation program for martial arts. We've chosen a dark alleyway, as I mentioned, where bad things usually happen. The hologram will get into your personal space uh, prior to the sudden attack to create
3: circuit, he happens his own a lot too, and also the largest martial art industry corporation in the world, Century Martial Arts. We're going to start with those four people and tell their history, and then every month we'll add a new history general to set the art diet. Now, I encourage everybody. Type in S E T B R dot APP. It will enhance the already important training that you do every day. So Dr. Lee Reggie, my dear friend, thank you. Thank you for being part of the Wolverine Nation and I'm looking forward to seeing you and putting on a headset in October. God bless you, buddy. God bless you. That was that sad. I'm gonna turn over Yeah. The talking stick and the Wolverine.
2: Wolverine? There you go. All righty, sir. I tell you what, this show's been good. Um, I'm really enjoying hearing all the stuff. It's it's it's, it's awesome to be a part of this. Um, so what we're getting ready to do right now is I gotta hit the sirens. Um, Do I need okay, no, Eddie Wolverine? Yes, yes, we got to get we got to get cousin Eddie on the phone I just hit the sirens. I'll call I, him, he's okay. out in this trailer right. he's out in this trailer, I'll go get him Alright, we got the drum roll All right, we're just waiting on him as 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 he comes in. He walked in, he just walked in. He's here. Okay. Yep. Here's Cousin Eddie. Let's hear it from you, cousin Eddie. <laughs> hey Wolverine, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you doing, cousin Eddie?
3: Well, I'm I'm out my trailer barbecuing, but I came back in because basically I want to talk about all these so-called 10th-degree black belts. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. I got a call the other day from a Supreme Grand Master in Taekwondo. <laughs> I said, sir, well, God bless you. What do you call yourself? He says, well, I call myself Hanchi. Is that a problem? I said, no, sir. But you say you're a Taekwondo, but Hanji's Japanese. Let me ask you a question, sir. Say so you do Taekwondo. What color is your belt? Is it black? Says no. I wear a red belt. I said, well, a red belt is the highest rank in Japanese karate, and a red belt is the highest rank in brown belt, I believe, in Korean martial arts like Kusuan, taekwondo, taekwondo, and, and Okay, one more question, sir. Yes, stripes so on your red belt. Says yeah. Is that a problem? I said, well, stripes are Kempo. So, wait a minute, you're telling me that you're a hockey in Taekwondo, wearing a red belt, which is a brown belt level, but you're calling yourself a 10 black belt, and you got stripes on your belt, which is Kempo. I'm really confused. What is a Supreme Grandmaster
1: Wolverine?
2: Well, um, I think a supreme Ga- grandmaster would pretty much be a chucklehead. Um, and what that means is it's somebody that, uh, you know, just wants to blow more smoke than they do want to train martial arts. Uh, you know, that's the problem with a lot of these people today is these people walk around and say, oh, I'm a 10th Dan or I'm a shi," but, but they're giving out uh, just for money. I know a lot of 10th Dans right now. That at some of these uh, promotions and these award banquets, they're just giving people 10th Dan's for, hey, you, uh, you're supporting us or, uh, hey, this person might have a lot of money, so let me rank them to 10th Dan. And now these people are walking around saying, hey, I'm a 10th Dan, and they have no real martial arts skills at all. And that's where the problem in lies. Um, with a lot of these chuckleheads. And that's why I call them chuckleheads. They're certificate warriors or paper tigers, as as you will. Okay, paper tiger. Explain that. What is a paper tiger? Well, a paper tiger is somebody that has a lot of certificates and has a lot of paper to show you, uh, yet they can't demonstrate any kind of uh, martial arts techniques or skills uh, because they may you know, there may always be an issue to come up. You know, Uh, dinner might be ready or, uh, you know, they've got something important to go do. So they just don't have time to demonstrate uh, their awesome skill sets. but they want to direct you over to the wall and uh, show you a certificate. Now, mind you, certificates are very important in in the arts and in what we do. And, you know, they're not to be sneezed at, but uh, these paper tigers, as you will, have certificates um that are not founded in reality. So they're kind of like uh you know fantasy certificates. You know, kind of like a fantasy football league. Uh just where they they have a certificate but they don't have the skills to back it up. You know, anytime you get a certificate for something that you didn't have to work hard for to accomplish something, uh you know, it means nothing. And uh but, you know, some people, they just rather have the, the, the certificates so they can brag about their accolades uh, rather than, you know, uh, getting out there on the mat and, and, you know, showing what they got. And some of these guys, you see them all over YouTube demonstrating their 10th degree mind powers and stuff like that until they uh, make the mistake of going, yeah, I can fight an MMA fighter with my mind powers and then the MMA fighter knocks them cold as a wedge. Uh, because, you know, their fantasy certificate can't get in there and stop a, you know, a right cross or a, you know, a, a Joe Lewis 45 uppercut. Well, gun. you know,
3: Wolverine, I'm a martial arts fan.
2: I always
3: will be. But the question I have is really simple. I'm, okay, I understand what happened in America a few years back where people wanted to become the highest, rank like they can become. But I know that, I know this for a fact, too. Like in the Korean society, most of those guys didn't even make 10th degree black belt until they were in their coffin. And I also understand that some 10th degree black belts get their black belt from their association or from their students. But, you know, I don't understand, Wolverine, how they all came about from all across the world. I mean, it seems like everybody became a 10th degree black belt overnight. Now some are very legitimate, as you said, but some just come out of the woodwork. Don't you agree?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's like with anything. Um, Egos drives a lot of rank. Uh, A lot of people, the they think that if they throw a rank out there and they say, "Hey, I'm a tenth dan, don't mess with me," that that'll back off an attacker. But uh, unfortunately. In the really real world, when you have to fight for real, it doesn't matter what your rank is. It matters what your skill sets are. And uh, but like I say, most of these guys it's just an ego thing. Uh, you know, they're they're trophy hunters, they're ego hunters. You know, and and that's the whole thing. And that's why you know I know you uh, you had uh, just recently you know nominated me for a for a Hall of Fame in London and you know uh, or professor Gary Lee did but you know i had to i had to you know message him back and tell him you know i respectfully decline it's an honor to be nominated but um you know I, you know i i got out there and i done my competing i don't need a i don't need a trophy for winning a trophy and uh but you know ego hunters are are going to be excited about that but you know the Wolverine just says hey well, thank you know, for I the got, honor i got
3: this i got be, i got a to call today from you know, and Carlos, you know, Mr. Norris, and they're going to be going to London to be um, be, be accepted. so, also, Mr. Moore, uh, from our voices group. So, that's amazing. their money that they're doing cancer research. So, the other thing for Marina is that, you know, you might, you might consider changing your mind because, one,
2: that's all of Europe, and the Europe needs to know about the Wolverine. Oh, Europe! I mean, Europe! Europe you know, definitely knows about Wolverine. Europe, you know about Wolverine. You know what? Europe definitely knows about Wolverine. Uh, matter of fact, back when we were competing in the NBL, a magazine come out in uh, in Europe, and because I competed, uh, my all my daughters competed, and we were winning a lot of stuff, and in Europe. Uh we made the list of uh the most winning martial arts family. Um yeah, but you know, the the thing Wolverine, I, I do is I was in the because
3: it's two thousand and twenty three. We need to tell everybody about the Wolverine.
2: Well they, everybody. They'll they'll, they'll find out about the Wolverine the on this them. show. And don't and worry. I love Cancer Research. I don't mind donating to Cancer Research. Um but you know, <laughs> That'll be good, but but other than that, the, I'll I'll donate to cancer research and then I'm I'm good. Okay,
3: buddy. But anyway, going back to the Wolverine. We want the people who are living in the cracks and the creases underneath the bridges everywhere in Europe to know about the Wolverine nation. And you know, thank you for my cousin Eddie express himself because I would say people probably already know. Cousin Eddie is the alter ego of Professor Gary Lee. <laughs> and that's awesome. <laughs> Just like the Wolverine is the alter ego of the great Dean Piles. So with that said, God bless you, Wolverine,
2: and we'll see you next week. Thank you, sir. All right. You got to talk
3: to Wolverine.
2: Yeah. Now you got to tap that a little bit. Yeah. What I'm gonna do now is I'm going to I'm going to actually hit the uh, uh superstar camera button. So hang on here just a second. Uh that was us okay. taking lots of pictures of our of our uh awesome guests. So if you want to bring back uh uh Miss uh Herden, Herdman and uh finish up the interview and play the Legends Name game, that'll be awesome. So the talking cool. stick is back to you. So I got the talking stick? Yes, yes, you, you do. I got the talking stick.
3: Karen, are you there, honey?
4: I'm I'm right here. What a
3: great show this has been. Now, the legend's name game was invented by Bob White about 10 years ago. And he came up with the idea that I would say a name. And then the guest would talk about that for a minute or two. Are you ready to play the lesson again, Karen? I'm ready to go. Okay. Now, if you don't know them personally, you can talk about their reputation, good, bad, or whatever. Here we go, rock and roll. Chuck Norris.
4: Chuck <laughs> Norris whoop. happens to be a Tung do practitioner, and we had the same instructor. As you know, he trained in Tung do in the Korean military. And his instructor was also my instructor, or one of them, which is C.S. Kim, who brought Tung Sudo, a founding father of Tung Sudo, to this country back in the early 1970s.
3: Have you met him many times? What'd you say? Have you met him many times?
4: You know, it's the strangest thing. There's probably been about three opportunities now. I actually was in Vegas on stage talking at the Martial Arts Super Show maybe three years ago when he was there. He came on after me, and that's kind of the story. I never get to meet him. He's always like right there, but I never meet him. And I'd love to because there's a lot that we can talk about. I don't know why that is, but it seems like you're going to have to pull some strings so we can actually sit down and meet, I think, Professor. You bet.
3: Well, I'll, I'll raise it eventually now. Uh, One of my best friends, I know he was one of your dear friends, and also a very dear friend of one of the Voices members. I'm talking about, we call him Corky, but his real name was John Corcoran. Talk about John a bit,
4: John Corcoran, I owe owe a lot to. John Corcoran was the first martial arts journalist uh, to come on the scene. Back in the day when he had PKA Official, which was like the first martial arts magazine or one of the very first back in the day, back in the, I think, early 70s, something like that. Anyway, he, um, I, I I really appreciate him. He, uh, he uh, picked me up as a journalist when I was working for a TV station in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. I was a first-degree black belt, and I submitted my own writings, martial arts writings, had no clue what would happen if I did that but he got a hold of it he was in Los Angeles at the time and he was working with CFW Enterprises that owned several karate magazines and he contacted me and said why don't you do a write-up and tell us do an autobiographical write-up about yourself being in uh, a newscaster and also a black belt after I wrote it he goes you know you're a very good writer why don't we go ahead and try and see if we can get you a column and uh, that's what set me right there so Again, uh, may he rest in peace. He's someone that he could be very brutal to work with. Um, (laughs) He was very straightforward and told you exactly what he liked and what he didn't like. But I'm very fortunate that he happened to like me as a writer. Well, i got to tell my best quirky story, Karen, on the air. It's that Bob
3: Uh Wall grows in Hollywood, and we're at the elevator. And there's like seven or eight people inside the elevator, and he says, People, he was really nice. Can you guys leave the elevator for a minute? I need to talk to this young man. Talking about me. So the people left the elevator, and Corky and I walked on the elevator. He pushed a button, three or four, something like that. Halfway up, he stopped the elevator in the middle of going up, and he looked at me. He says, "Gary, your stories are really good. I really enjoy them, but your are
4: Yeah, he was like that. (laughs) He was very sticky. And he said, he said, he said, Gary, from now on, every story
3: you write, send it to me. And I will edit it for you. And then you can put it wherever you want to. So until he passed away a couple years ago, I would send him all my stories. And he would edit it. God bless Corky. And then I got to say this. Two years ago, Uncle Jerry Smith and I were inducted into the Kempo Lapa Hall of Fame together. And with the help of Uncle Jerry Smith and Corky's lovely wife, Leslie, they gave the museum all of Corky's stuff his certificate, I mean, his. I, mean,
4: I know, I told you. her to do that. I'm the one who sent that, okay. Professor, don't forget. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm plugging you, Karen, but I'm also plugging <laughs> you Karen.
3: I head. did that. Okay. Okay, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Anyway, <laughs> between the three of us, we've got Corky's incredible journey at the Fort Crosby Museum. So Corky will live forever, Karen, I'm mm-hmm. That does with Jerry. I promise that to you. And I promise that to Leslie. I got one yeah. more for you. And he's a controversial guy, but I want to talk about it because he he was a figure little guy in Las Vegas who created the super show. Or his group did Maya. I'm talking about
4: Mr. Mike Dillard. Talk about Mike for a minute. Um. You know, um, I also owe a lot of gratitude to Mike Dillard. He's actually kind of a quiet person. Ironically, he's so successful, but he believed in me with a lot of my products. And I have two product lines that ran through Century Martial Arts, and that's very hard to get. Um, the first one was called "I Am a Martial Artist," and it started with me writing this poem that I published in my column with MA Success Magazine, which was a Century Martial Arts magazine, and it got this huge feedback um that we took the poem and we put it on posters, t shirts, um, tumblers, everything you can think of and it it sold huge all over the world uh for for quite some time for many years. That was the one product line. So if you have anything that says I'm a martial artist, I actually wrote that. That came from um came for me just sitting down out of gratitude um for for you know for martial arts in itself. The other product line is called They Call Me Master, and that was a few years later, and it was another poem that I wrote, and it also uh, got a lot of attention on T-shirts and books and magazines. Both of those product lines have a book to go with them. I Am a Master is a follow-up to I um, They Call Me Master is a follow-up. To I am a martial artist. I believe you can still get They Call Me Master at Century Martial Arts. But it's been uh, quite a few years since they actually picked that product line up. So. But anyway, the fact that you know, Century Martial Arts believed in me, um, it, it really means a lot to me. And uh, I owe a lot of thank you to Mike Dillard himself. So thank you, Mike. Well, we owe a lot of thanks
1: to you,
3: Karen. I want to thank you for spending time with the Legend Show and the Wolverine and the voices. You're a blessing. And I can't wait. Get you in Houston where I can say thank you to you and all the ladies, but you are the lady of the hour. You are the lady that we're going to say, hey,
2: you did it. You did it, Karen. Wow. And God bless you. She is the thank queen. Thank you so much. I'm
4: truly honored.
2: She is the queen, well, Professor. I, I, we're honored that we can <laughs> what, I said she is the queen, Professor. You say Wolverine! I said she is the queen. queen. I like to continue to say it. Karen Eden is the queen of martial arts. That way,
0: <laughs> I, I, that way. There if you, you don't go. hear me, everybody I else will. Start
3: saying say that. <laughs> well, I agree. I agree with you, and I want to say before we we've already turned the talking set back over to Wolverine. I want to say thank you. To the voices. Thank you to Dr. Reginald Lee and thank you Karen for giving us this time you. and your efforts. So with that said, the talking stick goes back to you. The-
2: okay, I tell you what, I tell you what, we got applause going on right now, but uh, you know that means clapping, Professor. People's clapping for us. But you know, I tell you what, this has been a great show. We we got to hear a lot of great stuff, and it was a wonderful, wonderful interview uh, with the Queen of Martial Arts. And you know, I, I hope I hope people come out. Look, I, I she is my sister, and and I always have her back. So you know, uh, the Wolverine is just there. I, I'm 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 there waiting in the wind. So if anybody crosses uh, the Queen of of Martial Arts, then you know. Uh, Wolverine is going to show up. I'll just tell you that. So, um, you know, Ooh, she, well, she's Wolverine done a lot of good I stuff. Listen. Yeah, yeah. Wolverine not playing around her right with it. here. Yeah, yeah. Wolverine, so, I
3: got a question.
2: Yes, go right um, ahead.
3: Some people, this is some people, this is new to. But I want you to explain it. You're going to do something special Friday night for Uncle Jerry Smith called the Haka. Explain to Uncle Jerry what the Haka is.
2: Well, the haka is fiery words that um you know is used uh, uh Hawaii adopted it uh but it it's fiery words and it's 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 a warrior's uh chant. So we're going to be doing that uh for Mr. Smith that day um you know to honor him. So yeah, we look we look forward to doing that. Well, well, well Rick, you give, give me a little taste of a haka? Yeah, a little, yeah uh, it would be Kamate, what that? What does sound like? Yeah, that I was just doing it, but you 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 I had the talking stick and you started talking. So we'll work on that, I'm but sorry, that's okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I'm just I'm giving you a little love tap with the talking stick. But anyway, the 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 okay. haga starts out with Kamete kora kora, And that means life and death. So we're going to be going from there and go on and you do all the movements and and uh chant with it. So it's, it's pretty intimidating if, if you've got a bunch of scary-looking people doing that, um, you know, and for some reason we get some of the scariest-looking people they are to do that, and these guys are real warriors too, so that makes it even scarier when uh, we do the Haka to honor Mr. Smith. Uh, it'll be a good time.
3: You hear that? Uncle Jerry, we're going to do the Haka just for you. I love it. I love it. Well. Wolverine, what a great evening it's been. And thank you the Wolverine Nation, especially you and the technical gentleman, Justin just that is Yeah, yeah, we watchers.
2: just call him the old mix master. The old mix
3: master. <laughs> cool. Well, you got been talking to Wolverine. You can close this out, young man.
2: Yes, sir. And, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you enjoyed that show. That was the first Legends show on the Wolverine Nation. And we will get this edited up and posted up, and you'll be able to listen to the show. We're on 25 different platforms. We thank you for tuning in, and we hope you had a good time. Uh, feel free to send uh, Professor Gary Lee an email, or you can send us an email straight to Wolverine Nation at nation at gmail. And uh, we love to hear from you, and uh, we hope to have you back again. We'll be posting this up very soon. We'll be putting it all over Facebook and everywhere so you'll know where to watch it. And I'll let Professor say maloha, but from the Wolverine, Osta Shinoi, Donatahe. Back to you, Professor.
3: Yeah, so the Wolverine's got to teach you that. That Cherokee is, I want to start saying goodbye to you guys. In Cherokee, too. But in Hawaii, we meet it from the heart, ladies and gentlemen. We really do. Much mahalo and aloha. Thank you for tuning in to the Wolverine Nation. God bless everybody. Good, Good night. Good night, everybody. Bye. Good night. Good
4: night. Bye, Cass. Yeah. See you. See you, Karen.